We're proud to have United Harvest as one of our sponsors. Founded by farmers and ranchers, United Harvest brings the finest meats directly to your door via the magic of the internet and overnight delivery. United Harvest pays qualified ranchers more than 75% of the market prices to procure their top cattle. Owning their own butcher shop, cuts are carefully crafted, vacuum sealed, and flash frozen for ultimate freshness after a 14-day wet age process. Unique to United Harvest is that their grass-raised cattle are finished on cold potatoes, creating an amazing buttery flavor that's unmatched. In addition to premium cattle, many with the Krebs Ramps genetics, United Harvest offers Huterite pork raised by whole communities committed to pork excellence. Anderson Ranch's grass-fed Oregon lamb and Masami Japanese-American Wagyu Angus cross cattle. The Huterite's pork tastes like it's been marinated in apple juice for a week with such amazing tenderness and sweetness that you cannot find at a store. Anderson Ranch's lamb tastes both fresh and tender, like the best lamb you've ever had. Ma- Masami's Wagyu beef is like eating butter with an Angus flavor to it. It's pretty incredible. Everyone who's eaten it says it's life-changing and it's a life-changing event. I'm offering you 15% off by typing the discount code FRIENDS15 in the discount box. We guarantee you will be absolutely in love with these meats. Please go to unitedharvest.com today. What am I going to do, quit? That's not an option. you got to keep on keeping on. Life's a garden, dig it? You make it work for you. You never give up, man. That's my philosophy. Welcome back to Legendary Mindset. I am your host, Jake P. Richardson. And I realize it's been about four weeks since our last episode, and uh, I'm sorry about that. But in 2021, we are going to have more consistent episodes um, weekly, and we're going to have some new content. We're going to have some merchandise. Uh, We have hats coming soon, uh, so be on the lookout for those. Uh, We'll have those in an online store as well as, um, you know, you can just text me and buy a hat. Um... But this week's episode is with the Heath Williams, and it uh, was a really fun episode to record. I actually recorded it back in December before Christmas. I'd just been kind of waiting to put it out. Um, turned out awesome, and I had a really good time um, there with Heath. There's a lot of really cool little stories in here and little tr- tricks. Uh, Heath does things a little bit different just um, from a production standpoint um, when you really just kind of analyze them compared to a lot of the rest of the world of, of the club lamb guys, and I think there's some stuff to to take note of there, and, and some 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 things that are pretty cool uh, that go on up there. Uh, but uh, we will hear from Heath Williams uh, right after a word from our sponsor, and our sponsor is Durafirm, a biozyme brand, and Durafirm has a line of sheep and goat mineral supplements designed to ensure that your herd is receiving their optimal digestive health and nutrition, resulting in maximized performance. And we're talking about performance. Um, That's either if you're a ram and you're selling semen or it's before breeding season or even during breeding season, if you have ewes that you're trying to breed or you have pregnant ewes or ewes that are supposed to be feeding your future champions, um, that will maximize what they're capable of. It'll give them all the ingredients they need from a mineral standpoint. Uh, to get where they need to go. Products include a DuraFirm Sheep Concept Aid Protein Tub, DuraFirm Sheep Concept Aid Loose Mineral with and without heat options, and a DuraFirm Goat Concept Aid Loose Mineral. So, if you're interested in learning more about DuraFirm products or where you can find a dealer, visit DuraFirm.com and check out what they got because they got some good stuff. Well, without further ado, here is Heath Williams. Legendary Mindset with Jake P. But no, I thought that was. I think it's important to get the those guys that are that you know made it. I think they deserve that. So you know. do you just lead this whole deal, or how's how's this go? So I have kind of a not really a script. Oh, let me turn my phone off. So that's it. Not really a script, but kind of some bullet points. I kind of go on the same bullets every time, okay. and then it kind of leads a few different ways. And then I've got just a few different. All pretty easy questions. Okay. And then if I think of a harder one, I'll definitely throw it at you. <laughs> so um, we talked about it earlier, but you said you were you've lived here on this property for 20 years. Yeah, closer to 25 on this. It's 40 acres. Okay. So did you grow up in the same area? Um, when I was born until nine years old, we lived about five miles east of here, mm-hmm. and I started 4-H at. Nine, ten years old, whatever it was, and we moved to town. 
Really? So I got to ride my bike a couple miles south of town to go care for my animals. Did that for, oh, maybe four to five years. Mm-hmm. A little, little more maybe. And then um, my parents purchased this 40 acres. Okay here so you said you lived in town so what did your folks do for a living at that point were they farmers or before they moved to town my dad had 200 to 300 blackface more commercial type of ewes so i've always had the sheep interest the sheep bug i have an uncle that raised columbias and so i got my start with Columbia's and frame sheep Suffolk. So these were pure purebred like show sheep. Yes. Really? Yep. The wool, the yeah, I mean, registered sheep. That's where I started. Um the transition part come because this is what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and I realized pretty quick there wasn't money to make a full fledged living yeah. doing that. So my interest transitioned into this. So when you, sheep. so how much how old were you and how much time did you spend with the the full blo- or the purebreds frame sheep? Um, I would have showed them a good chunk of my 4-H career. I, I want to say till maybe 15, 16, 17 years old. I would have showed them. I, I did start showing market lambs right away, but in all honesty, the market lambs were. Way so different. yeah, I would have finished in '93. So you know, we'd be talking late '80s. The whole deal was pretty new in this part of the world. Mm-hmm. They were coming, but they weren't developed yeah. yet. So um, that, at that point, they were still blocking wool on the oh, market yeah. lambs, right? Um, Not up here. Not up here. There okay. was very little, if any, of that. I remember a couple times, you know, doing like poodle job on ewe lambs that mm-hmm. we would have showed, you know, okay. that would have been market ewe lambs type deal. Yeah. But. So you're in 4-H, you're showing these purebred sheep, um, a little bit of weather stuff, but what's your, what's your goal at that point? Say, say when you're about 15 years old, what do you, what do you think you want to do? Do you want to stay in this livestock thing? Do you like the sheep enough to do it or, or do you have other ideas? You know, I don't know if I was sure. I always had a strong interest in the sheep. Um, mm-hmm. from, from the very early memories, I had a strong interest I think I was told by my parents that this wasn't a viable thing. You know, my dad had two and 300 ewes. Um, He worked at the concrete plant that we would have drove by just when you pulled up here. But, you know, there is not enough money. You can't Mm -hmm. do that full time. You know, you have to go get a job and have a few sheep on the side. And and I was told that for many years. I I still might get told Mm -hmm. that once in a while. This isn't a real income. I've heard it a lot. Um, So... You were told you had to go to college? Yep. Uh, told kind of the four-year deal was the way to go if you wanted to get a real job and, mm-hmm. and make some money and do something with your life. And after a year, I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. I tried to stick it out a little longer. So I was up there at River Falls for a year and a half. And the whole time I knew in my heart where I needed to be, and that was at Waterloo, Iowa, at Hawkeye Community College, mm-hmm. I was pretty good friends already with Bob Kim down there. He run the sheep department. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob had been around, and I'd just known him for a long time. Um, maybe didn't raise the kind of sheep where I wanted to be exactly, but I really respected Bob and some of his ideas and views. Um, that guy made a living for many years raising something that nobody else did. Mm-hmm. And and I respected him and ended up down there. Took me three years to get my two-year degree with with transferring a bunch of yeah. stuff that didn't work out, but uh, it, it was a good decision for me. I made made a lot of connections down mm-hmm. there. So, so you so you moved to go work for Bob. How long were you there? Um, so I was I was down there for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Lived just a few miles from Bob, so I'd help him do some odd stuff. And mm-hmm. then um, a lot of the things that helped me get the connections and catch the bug to a huge degree were. Every June, Bob took a, it was one credit sheep trip college credit deal, and anybody was welcome to go on that. You didn't have to be a college student, mm-hmm. and some of the people we got to jump in the band with and travel, um, there was a year that Bob Fields went with us, and, you know, Bob Fields was a legend in the beginning mm-hmm. of this thing, you know, helped things start out, and to sit next to that guy when you're... 19 years old and and listen to the path he took and 
the moves he made and the way he did it. You know, heck, you're you're sitting next to the some of the greatest people mm-hmm. ever, and and there was younger breeders. Um, Al Schminke went with mm-hmm. us the one year, and by that time, Al was a past student of Bob's also. Um, it, you know, so you got to hear them guys. They were getting their foot in the door, starting to make a name for themselves. And, and there was several other breeders that that went on the deals. They were kind of a couple of the ones that, you know. <sighs> I realized, hey, maybe this is doable mm-hmm. at that point. But uh, what was the exact moment then you, that you kind of realized, like, I can actually do this and and make a living at it? Or when 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 did that become clear to you in that situation? Um, I would have graduated college. I I always was building the flock. In in nineteen ninety three would have been my last year showing i was already starting to work with another guy local guy had a nice set of ewes i thought they were really consistent kind of kind of some line bred sheep and i had my own sheep at that point and my last year showing you got to remember like we had no money like i was showing hundred dollar market lambs Mm -hmm. and struggling to pay for them at that point I I ended up getting reserve at our state fair in the 4-H show. Um, I was grand in the FFA show, and I was grand with my poor one of my two that I took. Really? So I'm like, hey, maybe I can make this Mm -hmm. deal work. And I don't think I was quite yet to the point where I'm like, hey, this is a job. Mm -hmm. But I knew where I I was going with it at that point. So within a couple of years, it was it was game on at that point. Yeah. So where'd you where'd you go from there after you left, Kim's? Um, that's when I come home. I I formed a partnership with this other local guy. His name was Todd Snell, um, great friend of mine. We we got along really good. We we did that partnership deal for several years. We were called across the border club lambs. Um, by 2001, we had grand at the Iowa FFA show 2002. We went back and were reserved there. We were, we were winning in Minnesota, um, kind of the whole way through up there, you know, every mm-hmm. other year we'd catch a piece or whatever. So we knew we were on to something, mm-hmm. um, during this time and a little bit after that, our goals changed. I was ready to do this full time and and take it to a national type mm-hmm. of a level. A little bit past that, we'd started bringing sheep out to Midwest Elite. And every year we were doing a little bit better there. We, we could go out and have a nice average, you know, and back then that was 750 to yeah, 1,000, but you were doing it on five to eight head and kind of you could pay your bills and do it then. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I, I made the decision and I bought him completely out and that would have been 2006 okay. is, is when that purchase happened. How many years did you have at, at that point in 2006? I believe the day I bought him out, if I remember this correctly, it was 227 head mm-hmm. total. Mm-hmm. That was maybe a few that needed to go to the sale barn. That was the Starbucks. It was, it was everything mm-hmm. that day. Um, I bought them. I immediately put up a hoop building. I didn't have room for that mm-hmm. many sheep. There was no way, yeah. but, but to go to the next level, I needed to have the numbers to support that deal. And I knew that set of sheep. I knew what they could do. And the same time that all this happened was right when the hamp deal was coming mm-hmm. and we raised Suffolk cross sheep. And that's still the kind that I raised today. Yeah. Um, five years ago, I might not have said that out loud. Mm-hmm. That that's a naughty word, the Suffolk deal. Definitely. But now, I mean, I I engage it. I I'm proud to say I raised Suffolk sheep. Yeah, Suffolk so cross anyway. Let's jump back to like 2001 when you guys were kind of sure. starting to get rolling. You sure. know, if you just look at any anybody's winter's pictures, those things all are, are Suffolk sheep. You know, yeah. there's a lot oh, of yeah. blue ones. Yeah, they're kind we, of we raised a lot of blue ones. Back oh yeah. Then. So what was what was your vision of what you wanted them to look like? Did you have my vision then till now, the outline of the sheep is still pretty similar. Mm -hmm. Show limbs 
that, that are going to win shows and big shows, they need to be tall at the point of their shoulder. They need to be long-sided, level. They need to have enough muscle. They need to be structurally correct. The two things that changed from them years till now is we want them big, fluffy legged, mm -hmm. and we want to drop that rear flank. Mm -hmm. And in some of them sheep back then, if we had fed them differently, we probably could have got the flanks close. Mm -hmm. So um, we've added muscle, we've added body width, and I'm sure we've made them better. But for me, I don't know that that overall outline has changed that mm -hmm. much. And I think that's helped get me to where I was when this hamp deal was getting hot. Them sheep weren't tall at their point of their shoulder. They weren't good enough hided. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't have the touch. So I, I, I think it's that vision that I've had has always been especially to win the big shows. I mean, mm -hmm. you go to Louisville, it takes that big one-sided oh, yeah. sheep to mm -hmm. get there. So. For sure. And you talked about when that when the hamp deal came in and you were raising those Suffolk sheep. Do you think, you know, how, how did you react, or, you know, when initially when everything had to be fluffy? And, and do you think maybe those, those Suffolk bloodlines you had way back then are helping you out today? You know, I've questioned that several times. Man, did I do the right thing buying that set of use, should I have waited or not bought them and, and did the ham deal? But I believe all of my success today traces back to keeping that much Suffolk in them. Mm -hmm. If I would have did a different route, I don't feel I could have been any better than, than what I was. I knew the sheep. They were level. They, they were tucked up in their chest floor. They had enough muscle. Their structure was close. I wouldn't change anything that I mm -hmm. did. I, I'm I'm really happy. Now there was there was a few year span in there, um, where I couldn't win them shows. We didn't have them fluffy enough. Mm -hmm. Like that that was the big hold. Though. We weren't quite as wide, or I still think we had as much muscle, but we didn't have that hand look mm -hmm. to them. Um, and there was a little struggling, and and the struggling was this. I didn't like them kind, so I had to figure a way to get to where I could accept what, what the style was and be happy with raising them myself. Um, there was a little span in there where we brought in a Dorset buck that I messed with. Had never been around any of them things, you know, blackface my whole life, mm -hmm. uh, other than early on with the breeding sheep, Columbia's. But we brought in this Dorset buck that I found. I wanted to try the speckled deal that was catching on. We found a sheep called Cracker. Mm -hmm. um, well, I named him Cracker. We bought him from Bob Huntrod. He, Bob had bought him from another guy. And we brought that sheep in. That thing clicked. He, he sired like 10 state fair and national winners for us. Making we made wolves or we made using him to make specs? Everything. We made suffix. We made speckles. We made shrops. We could make anything. So that buck, whatever we could get him to classify as, they'd go win a show. Like what they were, they were bad cats. That's wild. So what piece did the, the Huntra Dorset give your black use? Or I guess the he, fuzz? He just, he clicked. Yeah. He come in. Um, he did put a little fuzz on him. He looked back at the pictures today. They weren't quite fuzzy enough. Um, we brought a speckle weather out to Midwest elite. And that thing was for the time. I mean, he was way, way, way mm. good. Giraffe neck crazy long groove down his back um big budded a at that point like 750 to a thousand dollar sheep was a lot mm. i think that one brings 25 or 2800 wow um wins several shows ends up winning the iowa state fair specs um i don't think that one caught a piece of the top five but he was definitely mm -hmm. in contention um that was definitely one of cracker's better ones but i mean we could raise you name the breed he probably had a breed champion out of that be a lot of this white buck that. um i have three bucks buried in my backyard crackers buried back really? there he, he was a special one so did you ever pile up any doors that use or you just kind of use those well <laughs> after a year or two i'm like yeah we, we need to figure this out and i went and bought um five old use from roger hunt rod i mean i think you're talking 150 200 mm -hmm. a piece cole use he was selling 
and I bought five from somebody else. And immediately we were winning the Dorset shows. I mean, mm-hmm. just that buck was a true sire. I mean, yeah. you, you could breed him to anything. This is how crazy this is. We whipped some semen out of the tank this year when we were breeding. And we AI'd a handful really? back to some of our, uh, pure, or our daughters this year that we had. So Awesome. Um, just to try it yeah. and see. I mean, he was so far ahead of himself. That's crazy. So, so now that we're talking about bucks, you know, the, I, mean, I guess we'll jump back one more time, but like in those early days, early two thousands, and even right up there to 2010, where were you going for genetics? Where, where did you originally get your use and, and where did you find bucks at? Where, where did you go like to go look at bucks? When I first started out, um, I, I was buying anything I could that I could afford. Yeah. And some of them were 500 to 750, um, just kind of sheep that I thought was nice. Mm-hmm. And, oh, there was a couple of them that come from Bob Kim. There was a couple, you just try to find what you could mm-hmm. type deal. Um, I didn't have enough money to buy the ones that you needed, so you'd buy what you could. Um, as we advanced through things a little bit, and we started there, like our the sheep that we were getting that were winning at Iowa State Fair back then, and the Minnesota sheep, they went back to a buck that we called tequila that we bought off Alan Candy Schminke. And, and that one, I mean sired a lot of winners is that the blue sheep at the very bottom of your blue, blue sheep just you know today people laugh at him but that thing was crazy looking giraffe mm-hmm. necked again really long-sided big old square hip in him mm-hmm. but yeah he, he was he was really good one um i remember really proud of him i picked him up brought him i, I schminkies live pretty close to bob kim brought him by showed him to bob bob laughed at me the sheep's like two inches parrot mouth and you know, that was What's completely against, against, oh man, oh, I got, I got on the naughty list mm-hmm. pretty quick and, you know, heck, he raced eight fair winners and us weather guys, I guess we don't care about that Mm-mm. stuff. So nope. we, we made it work and we, we looked pretty smart doing it. Mm-hmm. So as you guys progressed from there, do you, ever, who were those besides, you know, what, what was the next buck move or, or, you know, from tequila through there. I don't know, other than the cracker deal, you know, like <laughs> that, that one, like, you know, he stuck around, yeah. like you bred him till he died. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of them bucks, I struggled finding the one I liked mm-hmm. that would get me to where I wanted to go. There was a lot of bucks in there that they got me through a year or two. We maybe even picked up a state fair win here or there, you know, several county fair mm-hmm. winners. I couldn't find that piece to bust on through and all along comes trigger. Oh, okay. And I didn't know Brian Johnson. I never got to go down to Brian's when Bradley was around. And and that's something that's always been hard on me that I never got to meet him. But, uh, I caught a lot of wind on, on what I seen trigger sell, when, when Trigger's pitcher got put up, Glasscock posted the pitcher he sold at Midwest Elite, and and that was my kind. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, this one's got enough fuzz. He's got all the pieces and parts that I want. Um, I can get in on this, and I need to get in on this. At that time, I wasn't traveling to Oklahoma, but I was starting to get hooked up with Brad Anthower then. Brad's one of my best friends. He's helped me a lot through this, and... Brad had called and he seen the first set there and he's like, Hey, this is, this is the real deal. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching the sheep sell at, at Midwest elite and he didn't bring a pile of money. It, it was 10 or 15,000, mm-hmm. but I mean, that was <laughs> 10 was times long. whatever yeah. I could afford. And, and, you know, he watched him sell, you knew where he went. And I, I heard a lot of stories about how good the first crop was. I don't remember if I got a buck out of the first crop or it was the second crop, a uh, buck that we called Twisted, and he did an okay job. It wasn't a home run, but I was I was sharp enough and lucky enough to see the good in them sheep and, and realize, hey, I maybe didn't get the one this time, but I kept Trying going again. back. Mm-hmm. And, and I got in. I bought 10 Trigger Daughters from brian right away as soon as i could they were ewe lambs um every one of them things bred as ewe lambs i immediately started selling you know some buck lambs for 
2500 to 5000 So did you buy half of Trigger, or did you buy a Trigger? No, I, I, I got a Trigger Sun that we called oh, Twisted. Oh, that, yeah, that's okay. And a- after Twisted, I couldn't ever afford Like, that was when Brian got red hot. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford any of the any of the trigger suns so i always had to dabble on the edges and, and i'd buy pistol suns mm-hmm. which pistol was kind of the first trigger sun there for brian and that's that's what i could afford i liked them kind they were wild hip cheap um big long level ones their chest floor was right they probably weren't quite fuzzy enough for me they were fuzzy enough but they couldn't help me quite get mm-hmm. there yet so it was a slow process, but I, I was more concerned about what their body shape was and their handle and touch and that. And I knew that we'll, we'll get the leg wool on them. It's going to take time, but mm-hmm. I wasn't that concerned. I mean, it, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. So so the first, when I was skinning through your buck page on the way here, the first one that kind of just stuck way out to me was was Bulletproof. And, and I think bullet a lot of stuff in our industry right yeah. now goes back to Bulletproof. I mean, uh, it's hard to find one that doesn't. How did you acquire him or did you make him? So went down to Brian's that year. Um, I knew, hey, we got to get one of these things. And I think Bulletproof sold the same year that the two bring over 100000 Yeah. And, I mean, I was smart enough to find them too, but I, you know, wasn't even close on where I could be on buying them. I was working with Justin Nathan a little bit back and forth, and, and Justin was still with Kent Langemeyer then. And they do things a little bit differently than me. I know I've never had any money to mm-hmm. spend on anything. So, you know, I'm like, hey, I, I want in. We, we trusted each other enough to work with each other. Well, heck, I mean, the, the bucks were so far out of range by noon the day of the sale that, you know, I was shopping around. And I knew them sheep were deep enough. I, I want to say Brian sold seven bucks mm-hmm. that year. And I still felt like, hey, number seven on that list can still help me mm-hmm. where I'm at. So I was never out. I just was pretty quiet and played off on the edges. And as things went on that night, uh, I wasn't super close with Kent. I was real close with Justin. And Justin got mad left that one night, went out, never answered his phone again. And Kent called me at, I want to say 1231 o'clock in the morning. Sale's still going. Sale's still going. <laughs> yeah. We, we'd already went past the, the blip at midnight mm-hmm. when a sale never went till midnight. Nobody knew what was going to happen. I think it kind of shut down, had to be restarted. The world didn't explode. The world when... <laughs> didn't explode, but, but we all wondered, is there sheep still for sale? Mm-hmm. And it did. And, and I think it was 1231 o'clock. Kent calls me and he's like, hey, this is what I want in on. It was right up Kent's alley. These mm-hmm. deals bring in a lot of money, a lot of hype. And Kent's like, what do we need to do? And I'm like, well, Bulletproof's the one. He was a yearling, mm-hmm. and Brian had had some sheep out of him in, in a late-born set. They might not even been on the ground yet when, when Bulletproof sold, but I knew he'd used him. Wild, wild-looking. Um, you know, genetics were just crazy good. I mean, it's the backbone of mm-hmm. what I do over and over. That one was already line-bred mm-hmm. up. I mean, so I knew that I wanted in, but... I mean, he was, it was like around 20,000. And, and I told Kent, I'm like, there's no way, like I can't spend half that much. And Kent's words to me, and I, I didn't know Kent that well. I'd never spent a dollar with him, never owned a sheep. Kent's like, buy him, we'll figure it out. And I'm like, well, how far do you want to go? And he's like, just buy the sheep. He's like, I, and I said again, like, <laughs> I can't be an equal partner in this. I don't worry. We'll figure it all out. So I bought Bulletproof, and I think it was Trigger Happy that year. Mm -hmm. And the reason we called him Trigger Happy was it was as close to a trigger as I could get. (laughs) It was a a pistol back on a Trigger U. And so I bought that one, and he was, Trigger Happy was the poorest one on the sale. There was no doubt. I think he'd had some spine infection. He was Mm -hmm. always up in his spine. But I'd went back and looked at all the moms of them deals, and Trigger Happy's mom was the best looking mom mm-hmm. of all of them. So I, I bought that one and, and that one cost, you know, like base bid. I maybe had to bid one one time right. over base bid. So the the two of them and, and we brought in Kent 
Kent had another guy that he had that bought part of the breeding rights to him, mm-hmm. didn't own any of the sheep. So we figured it all out and it ended up being a cheap way. I jumped in with two Johnson bucks. I think it was the following year, same thing. Went back in, found a partner ahead of time, double dip, bought the two cheapest ones off the sale. One of them was Greed. That was Ballistic's full brother. And Ballistic, I already seen that's where the U side of things were going. Um, I bought every Ballistic daughter I possibly could get bought from Brian. And I was making my own up here with Greed. The other one I got was Envy. Envy's mom and sister both raised the grand at OIE. I mm-hmm. believe that's the, the way it was. And there might even been an aunt that raised like grand or reserve too. Uh, them two were, you know, really good, but towards the cheaper end of stuff. And I mean, you know, I, it all it all goes back to Trigger. Seeing Trigger, meeting Brian. Um, Brian's treated me nothing but right. Helped get me them 10 U lamps to start. The second year after them U lambs, I bought 130 mature U's wow. off of Brian. Uh, it was it was a huge step. Brian treated me really really good on the deal, and immediately I had my feet back under me, and I was able to raise sheep that could compete on the bigger scale. Mm-hmm. I had to weather through this Suffolk to Hamp changeover, but with the trigger stuff, I was still raising my Suffolk cross sheep. Not only did I like these a whole bunch, they were really, really good. Mm-hmm. So we, we were kind of off and running there. The following year after the 130 matures, Brian had changed it up again, sold them a little differently. But I think I got 10 or 20 U lambs bought that year, and, and most of them were ballistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one exception to that was the when the ballistics got gone, I ended up having to buy a bunch of hammer daughters, and I wasn't sure if them things were going to work. They were a little different looking, maybe a little bit too old school. And that was the luckiest thing I ever did. Mm-hmm. Them things really clicked and, and did some big things for us. I bet. So so you talked about that Suffolk and Hamp change. At that time, were you, I mean, your sheep's bodies were pretty much pretty close to where you wanted them. I mean, yeah. genetically. Yep. You, yep. We were just slowly putting, like, them trigger-based sheep, they had just enough leg wool mm-hmm. and fuzz they did not have enough to get me where mm-hmm. i needed to go that's why it, it took me several more generations it's still something today that we're working on but i've never sacrificed the look from the side mm-hmm. the touch the genetics like i will not sacrifice any of that over leg wool yeah um i just won't do it and I think anymore, we can make them as fuzzy as anybody. Uh, and a lot of it is, you know, getting them in the right hands, yeah. the people that'll take care of them. So for sure. we're definitely not known for the leg wool, but but I think they have enough yeah. now. Adequate amount. So let's let's kind of jump back to to bulletproof. I mean, he's in drop the mics pedigree. He's in is he is he bullseye's data. So so yeah, we can talk about bullseye there a little bit where that all happened with with the bulletproof. Uh, me and Brad Anthauer were out at Schroyer's place. We seen this wild looking you run by us and it was a pen of 30 U lamb or yearling U's. And me and Brad had bought a couple high dollar U lambs from Brian, which was out of my wheelhouse by a lot, but we were, you know, trying to make some moves. Brad was just getting started with the U's and when, you know, it was way more than I felt comfortable spending, especially on a female. Mm-hmm. But Right before this, the highest dollar one that we'd bought, and she ends up upside down in a hay feeder here at my place and is dead. So we'd went out to John's shortly after that. We seen this you run by, and we we Brad's like, well, you want a partner on or whatever? And she wasn't terribly expensive, but way more than I felt comfortable after just burying this mm-hmm. other one. And we we already knew. Like as soon as we seen her, me and Brad looked at each other and we're like, we got to get her bred to. Mm-hmm to bulletproof and I, i've never f- had that feeling before I, I knew like i just looked at it and knew hey this is gonna work i believe we had to use the few units we froze semen on bulletproof one time and one time only and we didn't get a lot of semen out of that deal just a few units 
and you know we always figured we'd get semen to freeze again on him and we never could and we ended up losing him somewhere in the mix of things there but we got that you or brad got that you to stick and and there was a set of twin buck lambs they were both really really good but not only was bullseye you know such a standout um and then he's done a lot for the whole industry but that buck was the exact answer and, and we're maybe a little bit ahead of ourselves because i had the fictitious deal going hot mm-hmm. and heavy a couple years before that and that's what bullseye like as soon as i seen him i'm like that's what we need to breed these fictitious mm-hmm. to like it'll work and and it sure did i mean the first lamb cop that we bred him i, I think bullseye is a it, we bred him up here as a buck lamb and i want to say we bred 250 ewes wow. to him as a buck lamb i called brad and i'm like brad i'm like i gotta quit feeding him when it come time to breed him to you lambs he's like what's up and i'm like he's getting too fat <laughs> to, to, to breed and so we we literally didn't feed him the whole time that we bred you lambs because he was you know he was such an easy keeper and gaining weight and but but that first set to the fictitious daughters it was unbelievable i mean we were off and off and running and in the fictitious sheep he he had done so much for me yeah I mean, Legendary Mindset will be back after a word from our sponsor. United Harvest procures the finest meats from the finest ranchers, farmers, and butchers. Many of you know the difference between farm-raised and store-bought meat. Having eaten these meats, we can guarantee that they are the most superior meats you will ever eat. By offering you the highest quality ag products directly to customers, United Harvest is able to both bypass middleman, pushing profits back to the American farmer and rancher, and providing the highest quality meats to you, no coal cows here. Please go to unitedharvest.com and type in the discount code FRIENDS15 to enjoy 15% off your first order. Ladies and gentlemen, these are premium meats, with the company paying nearly twice the market price to the cattlemen for their finest cattle. You will absolutely be impressed. Rule Supplements, the boldest supplement company on the market. What they lack in grace and poise, they make up for in originality and results. Their motto is, results matter, because results are the driving factor in this industry. And no one ever talks about the fifth place ULAM. Their product line has your livestock covered with solutions for joint health, as well as reproductive performance for all species. Their most popular products are Thick, Shredded R, The Formula, and Strutton. These products combined or alone have fed many of the nation's champions this year. The Grand Uitic Zarbin, Indiana Stock Show, and the Indiana State Fair were all fed Shredded R and The Formula. The Grand Lamb at California Youth Expo and Kentucky Livestock Expo added Strutton to expand their lead. The list of customer success includes Wisconsin Livestock Expo and the Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, Colorado, and Tulsa State Fairs. There are more results than that, which they would love to share, but they only have one minute to talk. So follow them on Facebook and Instagram and use coupon code JakePeas for $5 off your order. Results matter. Hobbs Show Lambs. Be sure to check out Hobbs Show Lambs' set of Greenline Fallborns that will sell January 16th at the Saturday Night Live sale in Ceres, California, or online at on January 19th at the SC Online Sales website. Hobbs Show Lambs is known for raising champions and working with youth across the country. This set is eligible for the show in Reno, Nevada, as well as the annual Hobbs Show Lambs online futurity shows. Be sure to call Joe or Megan to discuss this set in more detail. They will get you to the winner's circle. Nationwide delivery available from both sales. And I have seen this set, and um, I am one to say that they're extremely deep all the way down to the bottom. Um, they're extremely consistent, and there's there's quite a bit of, of density there at the top end. I mean, there's not just a handful of them. There's a lot of sheep in there that are going to work um, no matter where you're going to show them at. So be sure to check those out. Um, How soon after Bullseye's first year did the world find out about him? And did he kind of um, blow up a little bit? So Bullseye, the first year up here, Schroyer made a trip through and stopped in and, and seen the lamb crop. And, I mean, the, they were they were lights out. And mm-hmm. every one of them was Bullseye's back on these fictitious daughters. And... He immediately went to Anthauer's to see Bullseye, 
and you know it, it was game over at that point and i i made an offer to brad <laughs> crazy amount of money in my opinion i i said well just sell me half let's let's keep this for us mm-hmm. and he, you know it was his buck it was his decision it was a lot of money i don't i don't look down on him for what he did um i sure wished we we could have kept doing it for ourselves but but it uh it worked out okay for everybody brad protected me in the deal a little bit and we we were both able to get some semen out of it before um john ended up with him that was yeah. just for us two to use because you guys i mean up until recently i mean you guys are still having lambs out of bullseye you're still flushing to them and oh uh, yeah to we, we ai to, to bullseye or this year and, and you know we probably jumped ahead a little bit and and went over fictitious yeah, too let's quickly talk about him. there let's talk about him uh fictitious that that goes directly back to pony which i believe pony was the best trigger son ever um, Pony was purchased by Heinemann's. I don't remember if it was Heinemann's and Middlesworth, mm-hmm. but but I think it was. Uh, definitely the the best trigger son. It, pistol would have been close, but but I think Pony was the best one. We went in there. Um, Brad called and he's like, you know, th- this deal's the real deal. He's mm-hmm. and I'm like, the, the money was reasonable at that point. I was starting to make a little bit of money. We stepped out, uh, got that sheet bought. And if he would have been a year or two later as this AI deal come on, I, I still think that Fictitious could have sired more winners than mm-hmm. any buck ever. Really? He probably was close anyway, mm-hmm. just off of me and a couple other guys that used him. Um, if you name a show, he probably had the grand there. Really? That, that, that buck did it all many times over so he was raised by Hyman's or was he uh, raised him he, he was raised by Middlesworth okay he was out of a U that Ty Allen had bought from Stitzlines, mm-hmm. I believe a um, little bit different kind of a pedigree to him uh, just absolutely wild looking handled like concrete his hip shape is is just crazy I mean huge mm-hmm. huge wild it thing um, touch touch was unbelievable. His chest floor was good in him. Um, big old and bud on him pulled the part. In the in the early years, we had a little bit of trouble getting enough fuzz on all their mm-hmm. legs. Um, we're still breeding with fictitious today. I think yeah. his first lamb crop was 2013. We AI'd a bunch of use to him again this year. Um, he's had major winners every single year. Um, that one was truly ahead of his time. But I think if he could have come a year or two later, I, I think that's one that could have sold semen right there with your bullseye drop the mic, mm. the, the best of the best ones. So he was a pony or he was a stud duck? He was a, a pony. It was actually pony stud duck back on that Stitzline. Oh, okay, you. I got so you. So I jumped ahead a little bit with the Stitzline part, to, but there was stud duck in there also. Do you think, you know, you said it'd be cool if you had come a couple years later, but do you think... The fact that he came that those when, two years before when he, helped you when he most? come, I mean, it helped me the most. And you know, let's face it, the semen deal—it's about making money. Yeah, you know, um, I, I don't mind, you know, keeping my genetics for myself a little bit. But you got to sell the semen to try to make money to go buy the next one yeah. today. And and it, it helped me a bunch. It it built my program. Um, we looked through the use real quick before we started mm-hmm. this. I don't know if there'd be any use or more than one or two that don't have fictitious in their pedigree mm-hmm. in that group that you would have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's a big, big, big part of what I've done. And then, you know, we, we put the bullseye back on top of that where we, we jumped into, well, bulldozer would have come after that. Mm-hmm. I, I had a fictitious son that we called F-bomb that did a really nice job also. Mm-hmm. So when yeah you said we were we're going through your lamb and barn kind of looking at the the fresh lambs that were born you mentioned something that I didn't realize, but you guys don't do any embryo work or or flushing or hardly at all at least, and and you kind of said how you know you know all these ewes you know I can trust them you know I don't know if that one's gonna make the very best one but one of them will, and you don't flush but it seems like in your online sales and your live sales when you're reading the pedigrees of those weathers it it's almost like you're reading the pedigrees of an embryo set they're all bred so tight and bred so similarly. Um, do you just, I guess your, your AI set would be equivalent to a flush set if you did the same thing in your eyes? You know, 
going back and, and maybe this is going back to sitting in that band when I was 19 years old with Bob Fields. The biggest success stories that I kept hearing over and over and seeing when you'd travel to the places and see that awesome set of sheep, they were line bred. Mm. And, and it's really hit home for me. I thought that much of Trigger when I seen him. I thought that much of, you know, each step after that, that, that I just, I'd, I'd line the best one to the best one to the best one to the best one. And those ewes out there are extremely line bred. I, I would assume they are as tight genetic line bred as any set of ewes in the country. Mm-hmm. And a little bit, I, I did flush two or three years. I never had that home run story. Um, this, this is all I do is the sheep deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if I go out and have a $50,000 flush bill, I mean, that happens. Yeah. I have to sell $50,000 worth of sheep to pay that flush bill. And, and I realize a lot of people, they base their whole program around doing that. I, I've just never really thought that was the way for me to go. I, 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 I think you're a little bit right. That said, you use out there when they're lambing, I mean, it's several times over you walk down through and there'll be five ewes in a row that are bred almost identical. Mm-hmm. Um, I c- kind of am doing it. I, I, when people ask how many do you flush, I'm like, well, I bred about 350 ewes. I flushed every one of them with grain. And <laughs> the old school way. <laughs> that's flushing means a little bit different yeah. to me. So, so, I mean, a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of those guys that most of what they do is flushing. So they spend a lot of their time pulling babies out of commercial use mm-hmm. and it's quite a bit easier um, than, than your general medium will use. Does that, does those production qualities and mothering traits kind of matter maybe a little bit more here because you're depending on that more than other people or kind of in the middle? You know, I probably don't. Not every you has a perfect udder around here. Mm-hmm. We have some half uttered ones. Um, I've got ewes that have killed lambs two years in a row, but by God, she still had a $3,500 weather. <laughs> We're too dumb to sell her. We keep her around here. Um, not every mothering trait's perfect. It's not our number one priority. It's not, it's not exactly what we put everything on. We're trying to raise the best weathers mm-hmm. that we can raise and, and move forward that way. So that's kind of, kind of the approach we've took with it. Mm-hmm. What do you put more genetic value and trust in your your bucks you're using or the, or the females that you're breeding? I have started the last few years finally getting that set of ewes where I want them. So I, I'm putting more emphasis on, like, you'll, you'll see, I sell approximately 25% of my mature ewes every year, and I keep the top half of my ewe lambs every year. So when the approach for me to move forward has never been make my best ones better. I've been fortunate. I've raised multiple state fair winners, you know, catch a piece of some national shows every year. I don't know how much better the best ones are going to get. What I can more easily improve on is taking the bottom end and sliding them forward. So hopefully that bottom one you know, after doing this five, six years in a row this way, I don't know how much different the bottom one is than the top one anymore. Yeah. So it's a completely different approach. Most of these people are flushing and they're constantly trying to make their best one better. And I think it costs a lot of money to do it that way. Yeah. The approach that I've took, I think it's a more, you know, cost effective way of doing it. And I think we're keeping up. I don't, I don't think we're getting beat too often, mm-hmm. I guess. We're, we're competitive everywhere we take them. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of paid attention to, to you guys for, for quite a bit of time now. And if you, if in my head, if I picture a Williams sheep, whether it was you know five, six years ago or, or even now, it seems like you guys stand out from the crowd just in terms of their back shapes, their loins, how they handle, and just how smooth and big their upper hips are. Is that something that is just overly important to you, or, or did that just kind of happen because of the direction you were going? I have always felt that a sheep should wedge mm-hmm. from the side, be tucked up in their chest floor, um, 
deeper in their flank. And I think they should wedge when you get behind mm-hmm. them. There's, there's not very many that do. There's still a lot of, you know, sheep that are pinched in their hip. Um, that I, I just feel they should wedge from both directions. They should have. And I, and I think Brad was a big reason, like, them backs have gotten as big as they are. That was super important to him. It's rubbed off on me. I mean, he's been very successful with what he's been doing. So I think he's a big part of why we've been able to get them backs as big as they were. He's, you know, showed me the importance and helped find some of these bucks that, that have helped do some of that. For sure. So, so. your ewes are incredibly line bred. A lot of the bucks you're, you're using, whether it's bullseye or bullseye sun, you know, there's, there's a lot of this, you know, similar genetics there. Um, what do you, what do you think about, um, you know, outcrosses? I know you guys use Cobra and how do you kind of incorporate those fresh genetics onto your ewes? When we bring a new buck in, we, we're trying to make a sun and then I just, call it half outcross and you know I'll, I'll bring in cobra kai we try to find a sun and and the sun we ended up finding this year didn't come from my place it come from down at brad's place mm-hmm. um the the sheep he calls the donald that's the one we brought in and, and we used that sheep and that's kind of our hot half outcross deal he's out of bullseye sister mm-hmm. and and i thought that was the best one between our two places and we worked together pretty well so that's that's the sheep that we brought in and we we AI'd 30 ewes to unicorn this year and I hope the babies are nice. I mean mm-hmm. I wish a lot of success for them, but my goal in that is to get one of them out of a fictitious bulldozer bullseye mm-hmm. type of ewe and then take him and breed him to 200 ewes next yeah. year. That's that's my goal. I mean to do it that way. I don't ever want to lose that that line bread deal that we're doing. I know at some point people think you have to come in and completely outcross them deals. I haven't had to yet. This half outcrossing once in a while has continued to work. Um, and there's times we're lining them up really close. Um, right now our big deal is trying to figure out what is the ticket on these bulls I use. And what we have found is breeding them right back to bulldozer. Mm. And when you look at the bucks, that shouldn't work as well as it is. But the best ones have consistently been when we we start taking bulldozer right back on them bullseye use. And, and things just line up there and it's been working. And we did it in a big, big way this year. Mm-hmm. So we hope that can that can work and move forward for us for sure and it definitely seems like in the last three four years you guys have really really taken off i mean mean, there's i don't know how many texas majors and national show wins there's a lot in texas especially (laughs) in the last couple years which is extremely impressive (laughs) texas has kind of become our our new favorite home i guess (laughs) down there um quick little story on the houston grandin reserve that bulldozer had um, we'd, we'd won classes at several of them majors, you know, kind of always, you know, a heavy class or a light class or had one in the middle, but it didn't mm. end up being the one at, at several of them. And then Houston comes on in 2019. Um, I knew I'd had sent sheep down there. One of them was with Ty Allen. The other one, I knew Mark Walker had a nice sheep from us. I didn't know they were at the show that day. <laughs> they didn't even <laughs> you tell know, you they were hauling them. Didn't know. Didn't know. Um, <laughs> we we win. I believe it was class four with the sheep that Mark Walker had from us. Um, seen it pop up on Champion Drive, and I'm like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm like four. That's in the hunt. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, like we're we're close there. And comes back through the next class winner. We we win that class too. And I'm like, man, you know, we're, we're really there now. Mm-hmm. Like. We got a shot at getting reserved at yeah. this deal. We got two and <laughs> no, we have a shot at getting reserved. <laughs> that, was, that was my mindset on the deal. Wow. Um, Ty Allen calls me as they're picking champion. Ty had had placed the sheep that ended up being reserve, and Ty's on the phone with me, and and Ty's a good friend of mine, and Ty's like screaming, like Ty doesn't get emotional. Mm-hmm. And he's like screaming over the phone, you just double dipped Houston, he goes. And he's going wild and like, you know, congratulations, man, that's awesome going on and on. I assumed it was the one of Ty's had, that, had, that won. That won. I, Ty was that happy for me and his sheep gets beat down there and it's it's the one that 
Brad Anthauer had bought that went to Mark Walker that wins. I didn't realize it for several hours later before I figured it out. That, so that, that it was the, the, the Walker sheep that one. Yeah. I, I didn't know which one won. <laughs> That's, it, it took me for quite a while before that all played out. It's so. one thing to, to know you have a, a contender going to a show and they get a piece of it, but it's another thing to have no clue and winning we, grand reserve. We had zero idea. Um, me and Colby, that's my son. We were outside, you know, just doing chores. You know, it was the middle of March, trying to keep that March set alive and send some more sheep down there. We we'd, we'd developed a pretty nice market in Texas, and I think we were actually lambing quite a few ewes out that day for next year's. Mm-hmm. And to have that all shake out and happen, and yeah, we, we had a big celebration. We went and did chores that night, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> You know, would have loved to have went down there and seen it happen, but, uh, you know, it, it was a pretty awesome experience. The Texas market, unless you're from Texas, you don't realize how big that is. Mm-hmm. It's as big as the rest of the United States. It Combined, really yeah. is. Dollar-wise, um, number of sheep, it, it's huge down there. Um, and, you know, what an experience. And it'll be something that can't take that one away from us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were able to get lucky and do it. Um come back this year in, in 2020 and have the Skip Adams family win San Antonio with our Cheeto sheep mm-hmm. from us. Um, awesome experience. And, you know, something that I, all this success, I mean, no matter how nice they look and good of a job we do of trying to make nice sheep, none of this is possible without customers that can feed and prepare and show these things. And that that's the main part of this deal is, is working with good people. And, and I'm, I think I'm pretty good friends with all the traders. They've all bought sheep from me. Um, and, and I don't mind selling to them guys. They work with the best families mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I, I like doing some things that way. We, we sell sheep to several families that don't work with the traders and, We've always taken a little different approach. I mean, we, we try to offer. I mean, we're feeding sheep my, for my kids, too. And we'll offer advice and help these other families, too, as much as we can. Mm-hmm. So For sure. Now we're talking about family. Uh, let's talk about yours. Um, jump back quite a bit. Where'd you, how'd you and your wife meet? Well, <laughs> we just, I, I drove by her house, which her, her, her house is somewhere five to 10 miles straight south of me. Mm -hmm. Drove by her house a thousand times going to Decora. That's the big city around here. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess looking for something that never found. And she's a little bit younger than me, four years, but we just met through mutual friends that we're both real close with. And I don't know, I guess she just never left after we, (laughs) we got together. So beautiful. You guys have four Four kids? Four kids. Colby's my oldest. He's 16. Um, huge part of the business. Mm-hmm. Colby's, Colby's. you know, I, I hope he wants to come back to the farm someday and, and take this deal over. Um, definitely huge part of the business. He didn't start showing sheep until he was a little bit older. He's always had a strong business interest when mm-hmm. he was real little. The sheep showing deal, he didn't jump in until he was eight or nine years old. Um Next is Samantha. She's 13. Sam's the rock around here. She does all of the paperwork, all of the breeding really? records. That That's Sam. I mean, anybody that knows Sam, she's she's on top of that. The twins are nine years old, Lindsay and Whitney. Um, they definitely work their tail off, too, with this. And they go out. They can, you know, lamb out the ewes mm-hmm. all by themselves and, wow. and do whatever's needed. So that's That's incredible. I understand I was there. But at Louisville, they, they was that their first time showing in Louisville was this year? Um, or? No, they've showed since they were six. They're, okay. they're nine this year. But um, twins going to Louisville, they, they had some pretty consistent success. And that <laughs> was kind of cool to watch go down. They are the most competitive kids maybe ever. And with each other, they take it to a whole new oh, level. Yeah. Um, Whitney... Louisville was the first show in 2020 where she got to show her own sheep. Really? She had always had to just kind of show one of Colby's that wasn't ready or a ULM that wasn't hers. Or short she, end of the stick a little she, bit. Short end of the stick. Like, it, it was rough. I'd gotten a dorper from her this year or for her this year. And 
I guarantee we had the best Dorper in 500 miles because there might not have been one for a thousand miles from here. Um, so there was nowhere to show him, nothing to do with anything or with him. So that might have been my biggest feeding challenge that I've ever oh, faced sure. in this sheep deal. I didn't know anything about a Dorper. Um, we had a goal to try to make him look like a sheep. And that started happening here a month out from Louisville. And I thought that meant a good thing. When we left home, I didn't know if we had the best Dorper ever raised or if we had a fifth in class. Mm -hmm. I knew he was nice, but I had no idea. Um, Whitney gets lucky. She got to win the Dorpers. Hey, that's awesome. I got one happy kid in, in early the class sisters? today. she happy? We're, we're, we're in trouble at that point because <laughs> Lindsay has one sheep for Louisville also. Um, that sheep's name's Raleigh. Mm -hmm. Raleigh was out of her one ewe. She raised Raleigh. And her sister just won a division at Louisville. Mm -hmm. You talk about pressure on dad. If it didn't <laughs> go well, <laughs> if it didn't go well, I was going to be the naughtiest, meanest person. Um, two years prior to this, her same one ewe had another one that was really, really good. Mm -hmm. And dad made the decision to let Samantha show it because I thought we had a chance at winning a breed at Louisville. And go out there, and it was just a class where there was five extremely good ones. Could have placed them anyway. We end up at the short end of the draw. Her sheep stands fifth. She didn't get to show it. And at that point, I had a seven-year-old that hated her dad. Whenever we fought, we, we brought this topic oh up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I have, I have lived under that and thinking about for, it for two years. Uh, Lindsay gets to bring her sheep in the ring. She walks in there, um, Windsor class. I think the word bad cat gets mentioned. There, there, there's lots of nice things said about the sheep. A lot of pressure come off that. At least she won a class, ends up winning her division also. Um, by the end of the day, she stands fifth overall with the sheep that she owns one you and raised it herself. That's insane. So uh, pretty cool experience. I have not been yelled at about her not getting to show the other one since then. Mm -hmm. And I hope it's out of your <laughs> mind. Now. Maybe she forgot. <laughs> I, thought, I, I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Um, just, you know, watching around the ring and everyone taking pictures. I think the most excited person in the family was Colby for his sisters. I thought he, I saw him jump up and down. And I so thought that was neat. I've, I brought this up to Colby. He, he's 16. We've still got time left for him to show. And, and I hope a lot of wins between here and there, um, or at least good times. But I've told them the type of person that he is. I keep telling him, I think his biggest, most memorable times will come when he's doing it for his sisters. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's just the type of person that Colby is. He, he'll do anything for them girls, and, and I think his sisters have a chance at a lot of success with mm -hmm. his help. I really do. That's beautiful. So, so is, what, is, is it, what does it mean to you that you get to do what you love with your entire family every single day like <laughs> this? Uh, that's, that's quite a question. I go back to the, the day I made the decision to buy out my partner on the deal. Um, at that point, it was, you know, huge amount of money. By today's standards in this, it isn't that much. But I remember my parents looking at me and thinking I was crazy. Um, you know, you'll never pay that money back. And, and I think that's what made me work as hard as I did and, and try to make this deal work. From from that point on, I knew I had to do this, and I've been able to do this exclusively, raise these sheep to pay my family's bills. My wife works, but uh, the sheep have been really, really good to us, and it's been a wild ride. Mm -hmm. It really has. I mean, very, very fortunate. Um, there's not very many people in the industry that does it exclusively, just raising sheep, and I, I can't. I'm very fortunate to be able to do this. For sure. Well, thanks for having me out on late notice and sitting down <laughs> for this interview. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it was definitely fun. Um, I would like to 
put a quick plug in for a couple Go of my it. friends Go that helped it. me through this deal. Um, Ryan Habiger runs SSP Sales. Ryan's there for me every time that uh, I have a question, if I need something for advice. Um, he's helped us find a couple sheep. Ryan does a great job, really close friend. Mm-hmm. Steve Robinson um, handles all my marketing. Uh, pretty much a sister to me. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, Brad Dale, he's always there. He'll answer uh, answer any questions that I have honestly. Um, and Brad Anthower, he he's helped a lot. Um, definitely one more. Ty Allen bought a lot of sheep. He'll always tell me the truth, and just pretty thankful. Mm-hmm. For sure. Thank you so much, Heath.